I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Is there anybody alive out there? What? Hey, I'm Lee McCormick. This is Tramps Like Us, Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 56, Women, Muses, and Tramps. For this episode, I'm joined by my friends Shanti and Lynx from the Muses and Stuff podcast. They have a great show focusing on the women in rock and roll, the fans, the artists, the groupies, the wives, the mothers. Check out their show at musesandstuff.ptbopodcasters.ca or on iTunes. So it's appropriate to discuss the women, the muses, and the tramps of Bruce Springsteen with Shanti and Lynx. But before we get into the episode, it's time to start hyping the Nashville Rock and Pod 2 event happening August 25th. We had such a blast last year, mingling with the fans and podcasters and musicians. There was record and rock and roll memorabilia dealers uh, selling great collectibles, uh, we had panels all day long, and a kick-ass jam session to close the evening with some rock and roll. So this is your chance to get on board with us this year. We want to see you at the event. If you can get to Nashville for that last weekend in August, do it. A $20 donation to the GoFundMe site gets you a ticket to the event. If you can't make it, we appreciate a donation, $5, $10, whatever you can do. 
There's a lot of overhead with putting on an event like this. We have to rent the venue, get insurance, pay for security, sound men. So no one's taking money in their pocket here. It's just to put on the event. And we're just supporting the podcast and stuff like that. If you're a, li- if you're a podcast listener, please consider throwing a little green our way to show your support for all the free entertainment this podcast and others provide. You can find all the pertinent details, including some perks offered at NashvilleRockandPodExpo.com. You can purchase a ticket and send a donation at GoFundMe.com slash RockandPod2018. When sending a donation, please include tramps like us in your message to say that you're a supporter of this show. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. So here we go. Links and Shanti of the Muses and Stuff podcast. Two lovely ladies to discuss the lovely ladies of the boss. Oh, the lovely ladies in the fiery tonight. I wish that I could know them one by one. All the handsome gentlemen with loving on their minds. Strolling in to take the ladies home. Alright, we're going, we're talking, we're recording here. We're going, recording, we're talking, and recording and talking. Right, so this is a crossover episode, Meeting of the Minds, Muses and Stuff podcast meets Tramps Like Us, Bruce Springsteen podcast. It sounds so good, I was thinking about what we would call it, and then of our episode just being called Tramps Like Us, and it's a <laughs> kind podcast about, about like ladies, and relationships, mm-hmm. and music, and sex sometimes. Yeah, it all fits together. So... That is an excellent podcast name, by the way. Tramps Like Us? Excellent. Well, it's not really original. You know, I had to link it to the Springsteen somehow. So. No, it's perfect. Yeah, it works, right? It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we should introduce each other. I'm here, uh, Lee McCormick, obviously, and I'm here with uh, Shanti and Lynx from the Muses and Stuff podcast. We want to hear about you. Oh, so you okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> So what do you want to know? What should we talk about first? Well, I mean, I'm I'm okay with talking about me first, just so everybody knows. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he did ask first. Ladies first. Ladies first. Tell us about yourself, Shanti. Okay. So our podcast is about legendary music muses or super groupies, the woman, the wife, the girlfriend, the muse, or any backstage movers and shakers who have contributed to rock and roll history but might not have necessarily gotten their due. Yes. Credit, yes. Their credit. Yeah. There should be a wing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like a side wing. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Supporters, We're right? trying to like make that wing. Enablers. Find <laughs> all the information there. And yeah, it's been great. We've been doing this for like a year and a half now longer for you yeah we've got like 65 official episodes and then we have interviews so we have interviews um and episodes the episodes are like on yoko ono patty boyd uh bobby brown that we were talking about Yeah, cherry pie girl yes yeah that's right so i think that's (laughs) so people are like bobby brown like the yeah cherry pie girl yeah and um rita ray rocks and you know, maybe women that you've heard of before and ones that you haven't heard of before. So Angela I listened uh, last August. You guys did an Elvis feature and you talked about all Elvis's yeah. chicks. Priscilla and Ginger, Linda Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. We actually and Marg Rock. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done Linda yet, but we can. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the we beauty of Anne Margaret was the third one that we did. Right, yeah. But Linda, yeah, we definitely have to get her in there. She's my favorite out of all Elvis's girls. Anne. 
Well, so, uh, yeah. Uh, my dad, too. <laughs> For yeah. sure. And Margaret. Are like uh, anybody from Denise Donlin to Sash Jordan, oh, yeah, cool. um, and uh, the latest one, yeah, Maureen Van Zant. Nice. You have heard of her, Maureen Van Zant? Yeah, she's uh, linked to the uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, universe, right? <laughs> she was amazing. We are so excited that that is going to be out now, and she's been linked to the Bruce Springsteen world for over thirty-six years because that's how long she's been married to Little Stephen for. Yeah. Wow. It's one of the most successful marriages I can think of. Mm-hmm. Let alone in rock and roll. Yeah, right? yeah. So she was amazing. She gave us some fantastic stories about hanging out with Jimi Hendrix and oh, Janis yeah. Joplin wow. and um, how she and got James in. Brown? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so a good story there. So that'll be the latest episode. So, so she was back in all that scene, like even before she yeah. was hanging around yeah. Steve and all that stuff. Anyway. And that was so cool too, because um, we tried to find more information about her online to like do an episode about her. Couldn't really find that much. We thought, let's just write her, and she was up for it. And yeah, we learned so much that I I have never previously heard of before. So it was really exciting and so cool that she was you know, back in that scene before. Of course she was, you know. It was good. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to check that one out. When was that, when does that one come out there? It comes out uh, in two days. So okay. by the time this episode comes out, it will be out. That but will it be actually out. is not released yet. Cool. All right, well, we'll be, we'll be listening for that. Great. Okay. Um, and now tell us about terms like now, now. All right, what do you want to know? My turn, my turn. Okay. When, <laughs> okay, if you have a podcast solely dedicated to Bruce Springsteen, might we say that it, you have an obsession? 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say obsession. I like Bruce Springsteen a hell of a lot. I love Bruce Springsteen. He's one of my favorite artists. But I love a lot of music, a lot of musicians, a lot of different artists and music. And you know, I got into this podcast thing as a listener about five six years ago, and all these shows I would listen to, I wanted to give some input back on it because I'm like I know just as much as these guys talking. Right? So I was like, I gotta do a podcast, and I thought, where, where's a Where's a what's a topic I could do something like that right and I went to see Springsteen on the River Tour and I was just blown away and I wanted to do something like ah oh, maybe I'll do a Springsteen podcast because there weren't that many you know and Springsteen lends himself to have a lot of topics and a lot of things you can talk about and you know a, a huge career and tons of music and different styles and a rabid fan base that would listen to stuff like that right so I figured this would be the the way to get in and do a a podcast right so I picked Springsteen to do it even though I could do I could do I've done an Elvis podcast or Maybe you know, in the future. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Any guesses um, from anybody in the room? Uh, if I were to do a podcast solely on one musician? Okay, Links already knows who it is, mm-hmm. but do you? would you have any idea? Uh, could I guess Tom Petty? Possibly? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Bingo! Yeah, I that, could. That would be mine. If I had to do one podcast yeah. on one musician, I could talk and go forever. I'm really excited. Should be a lot of fun. I could do that too, yeah. Tom Petty's one of my favorites, so... Yeah, you just want to find, like, artists that kind of lend themselves to, you know, a vast, uh, you know, material to talk about and discuss. And <laughs> and the one thing I thought was that maybe, you know, after doing a Springsteen podcast, I would get sick of listening to Bruce Springsteen music and I'm going to kill all the, these songs that I love. But, uh, no, just the opposite. I'm actually, like, way into it now. That's so awesome. Yeah. And it was funny because you said earlier, like you haven't run out of any material doing like weekly episodes and stuff and like neither have you and you have just the one topic yeah that's so awesome not many people uh would think you could you know go on about bruce Springsteen that well, much, we're, but you we're up to about like 56 episodes now and we've only done about four album reviews so there's still like 14 15 albums to go you know it's, there's, there's so much great stuff to talk goes about on forever yeah awesome. <laughs> what's your favorite album in general, or Springsteen album. Springsteen, Springsteen album. Yeah. Well, I got a. I have a. I have a soft spot for Born in the USA. Yeah. I was ten when that came out, and it was just. Uh, it was just huge, and I just really grabbed a hold of that record and played it for like a year straight. So. I was listening to that on the way here, actually. Yeah, it holds up. You know, it's very commercial. There's a lot of pop songs on it, but it holds up. I love it. It's got a good vibe to that record. Holds up just like Bruce and Patty's love. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, good segue. Do you <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, 1978, Muscles on Muscles. You meant, like, just, like, the time of his life, right? But I found him the most attractive? That's exactly what I meant, yeah. Prove it all night long, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, 1978 When he's, era. like, really thin and muscular and... Well, he looks, he's a good-looking man. I'm... He still looks good, yeah. Yeah. I'm secure enough to say he's a good-looking man. I can admit that. Yeah, well, you're a good-looking man yourself. He takes one to know one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was accused of being his brother when I was at. I went to meet him there at uh, Indigo Books when he did his signing there. So I was one of the lucky 600, and I got my picture taken with him there. And uh, one of the girls was like, "You look like his brother. You look just like his brother up there." Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Aw, uh, we missed that. Yeah, I remember. 
How did you... That was the toughest ticket to get. How? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's always the question, right? Yeah. And that's one thing that we deal with big time with our podcast is how. How did you get backstage? How yeah, did you yeah. meet the rock star? How did you do... So a lot of the times we give, uh, you know, we give tips and tricks of the trade. This was just a uh, luck of the draw, like on the computer trying to get a ticket. I had... I was at work when they went on sale, so I had a friend on the floor below. She was trying to get tickets for me. I was on... A, I had two computers going trying to get tickets. But the thing that got it was I downloaded like this Eventbrite app to my phone, right? And I had that going as well. And it had all five, like I got through on the Eventbrite app. So thanks Fine to that app, yep, that's how I got the ticket. <laughs> that's good. I don't have that. I need to get that. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm stuck with this Eventbrite thing on my phone I can't get rid of. But it was worth it for that moment, you know? Yeah. You got to be ready for next time. I'm going to be ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny because I've developed obsessions with people through doing um, the podcast. Like, I, I kind of hate to admit it, but my roommate was a bigger Dylan fan than I was um, when we were in university. And I couldn't really understand her, like, attraction and love and, like, the emotions that she felt deeply for him. And that really changed for me in the last couple of years. Interesting. Do you have, like, a song of Bruce's or an album that you didn't particularly love, but through discussing it, mm. it's become a greater... That's a good question. It's hard to say because I just love everything, right? I'm almost too biased, like, you know, like everything. But uh, Tunnel of Love was one that, it, you know, I've always liked it. But, you know, as I've been delving into this podcast and really getting into that record, that's uh, that one's a really strong record, I think, for me. That's one I, I've always said that when I heard it as a young teenager, I didn't really get it. But as I got older, it really started speaking to me, that record. Sure, right? yeah. yeah, it's definitely got, like, so much emotional baggage just splayed out. And you have to live life a little bit before before you relate to it, for sure. Absolutely. So, really, it was through researching for this episode that I... I learned a lot. So I've always been a fan. I'd say more of a casual <coughs> fan. I got my first Bruce Springsteen album when I was living in Halifax like five years ago, Darkness yeah. on the Edge of Town. Oh, that's a good one to start with. Yeah, so actually it was a gift from a, my boyfriend at the time. And he gave that to me. I gave him his gift and because he was the huge Springsteen fan. Yeah. So for me, the gift was the record. And then him was uh, a snow globe with the picture of Bruce from uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town because I really like that photo okay. of him. So we kind of opened them at about the same time no. and it was the same That's kind so of... sweet. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like young rock and roll love. <laughs> yeah, it was cute. And like he, my boyfriend at the time, he actually kind of looked like a young Bruce Springsteen, that whole muscles on muscles look, so... Muscles on muscles, eh? Type. That's your type, I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just flexed. <laughs> it's good to know. Note to self. <laughs> so, speaking with the about the book and the research, um, we just want to give a shout out to our research assistant. Yeah, Lisa Towns. Behind the scenes. Yeah, she really helped us out. Tons, tons of material. We read the books. We got. Lots of amazing stuff to tell. And yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. So um, Lisa resides in Santa Cruz, but also considers Boston home. And she says that she's a diehard deadhead. Oh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Is it being sarcastic? 
No, you're no. Being no I'm being dead serious. Yeah, I'm oh, dead serious. serious. Oh. Well, I'm yeah. with you, Lisa, and I support you. Anyways, thanks right. a lot. Yeah, we thanks, really, Lisa. really appreciate it, All and right. um, can't wait to work with you later. Yep. So, like I was saying, I learned a lot from this book, and I think I now have an obsession, and I'm okay to call obsession. I get obsessed with things. Mm-hmm. It well, might, I was exactly the same. I knew about him, and of course, you know the records, and uh, I didn't realize, like how amazing the book was going to be. It's like become one of my favorite memoirs ever. It it blew me away. That's awesome. From like not a very big Springsteen fan either. Like I've heard a lot of reviews from the Springsteen fans that love it, right? But it was cool to hear just like a regular person checking out his life. I swear, even if you don't like his music, like the material is there. You're going to get something out of it. It it, it blew me away. It's hard to even that's a great review. It. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa was saying that she actually read the audiobook and Bruce reads it himself. Yeah, I still need to get that. That's yeah, great. Yeah, because she said having it, hearing it in his own voice was extra special. Same thing like when Pamela Dibar reads her I'm with the band. Have you read I'm with the band, Confessions of a Group? No, I need to read that one. You know what? Listen to it. If you prefer yeah. to listen to audiobooks, listen to it too because then she'll stop and she'll add in little things here and oh, there. Yeah. And it's seriously been like it's uh, one of the always it makes the list of the top rock and roll memoirs of all times. Like she's always in there yeah. with, with the boys and she's really legendary and she is still doing so many fantastic things for so many women. Like she's such a feminist and she just she's so inspiring to us and it's a hell of a rock and roll read so yeah yeah she's friends with maureen yeah we didn't even mention that that we didn't mention it to maureen because we didn't know and after when we were telling pamela we talked to i don't even know how it came up anyways um pamela said did you drop my name and it's like the one time that we didn't drop her name (laughs) name. and uh and of course they are like women coming together amazing women in the name of rock and roll. Yeah. Outside the church bells toll For this wasteland we call home There's nowhere left to hide or run to And it rang real hard late at night He said without love, life's a long fight I promised I'd win very much about love the why we got together was because we wanted to talk about uh bruce springsteen and the women yeah the women in his life yeah and then i guess the 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 main woman in his life for the last 34 years right right so i think maybe we went in with it with the intention of we're just going to talk about bruce and patty and then i started reading the book and i went well this whole book is about love yeah and he's had so many amazing women in his life that certainly helped shape who he is. Absolutely, yeah. 
And that's a big thing with our podcast. We've done rock and roll moms before. Right. We've done, I don't think we've done sisters, have we? Yeah. <laughs> siblings. Um, siblings. Yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, the rock and roll support system, family, sisters, right. mothers, um, wives, like I've said. Well, he's a big time. mama's boy. Bruce is a big mama's well, boy. Well, that's sure. it. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> like the, the one I, thing, too, I, uh, you'll notice there are a lot of rock stars are mama's boys and they have like, they've had like clashes with the daddy. Right, like yeah. Elvis was like that. Elvis, Mama's Boy, like Tom Petty, Tom Petty, Jim Morrison, Bono, Bono too. Yeah, Bono had like fights with his dad. Like it's just a thing with that, you know. That's so interesting. Yeah. It leads to great music. <laughs> sure does. Yeah, uh, Italian Mama's Boy said, um, "Shy, soft-hearted dreamer," and then it was his grandmother that actually really started taking care of him because she almost kind of like stole him away in mm-hmm. a sense from his parents because she had lost a child and then the, the next child that came was Bruce. And so it's where he said he really got his like, he, he got that spirit of I'm not listening. I'm not listening to nobody because he had the run of the house yeah. with his grandmother. He could do anything that he wanted and she just showered him with attention. So Italian grandma, Nona, Nona, Nana. How to say grandmother in Italian. Nonna, grandmother, nonna, grandmother, nonna. Now you try. Nona, nana, nona. Yeah. (laughs) He said he was a lost boy king, um, and he always got his way with his grandmother, and that he was in a matriarchal household. He says, they allowed the men the illusion of thinking that they were in command, but the most superficial observation would tell you that they couldn't keep up. The Irishmen needed mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a family of um, Italian women and Irish men together. That's right. And uh, foreshadowing, we're skipping ahead a bit, but Patty is the opposite. Doesn't Pat, isn't Patty like her, her father's Italian and her mother's Irish? Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, his grandmother's death was very hard on him. He said, tears, grief weren't enough. I wanted death. I needed to join her. Mm-hmm. So he really like felt this sense of loss from a really early age, which would eventually come to haunt a lot of his relationships. Um, he saw the world as a fraud. Um, and the thing that saved him were his little sister and his new interest in music. All right. Yeah. Sister uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when Virginia was 17 years old, she became pregnant, but people didn't notice until she was six months along. He says of her, she had soul, intelligence, humor, and beauty. Um, and when it came time to have a baby, she worked at a Kmart. She like worked her yeah. ass off, and she became amused to Bruce when he wrote The River. I come from down in the valley where Mr. They bring you up to do like your daddy done. Me and Mary, we met in high school, and she was just 17. We drive out of this valley down to where the fields were green. We go down.
That's right, and that's one in the situation in, the, in that song is just you know directly about his little sister, and uh, you know they're, they're still married together. His little sister and that the story they're still together to this day, which is kind of kind of neat, right? Yeah, yeah she kind of lives the life that he always writes about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, his mother was a legal secretary, and he loved going to work with her. And I think it's obvious why. <laughs> um, Seeing all the business ladies yeah. looking good with their purses and high heel shoes. Yeah. So his Perfume. visits exactly, exactly would start at the receptionist area, <laughs> and from there, he says he got permission to walk the aisles to his mother. Says. The perfumes, the crisp white blouses, whispering skirts and stockings of the secretaries coming out of their cubicles to greet me as I stand exactly breast high, feigning innocence while being hugged and kissed upon my crown. I walk this gauntlet of pure pleasure until I end up back at my mother's desk in a perfumed trance. (laughs) (laughs) Poetry, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So descriptive. So I just really thought it was fun to start talking about how he started, you know, like the sexual awakening, the relationship with the women, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. His mother was a child of divorce, abandonment, and prison, but she stuck with her family and worked hard staying with his father throughout his mental illness. Another thing, his father being his father's mental illness, that would come to haunt his relationship with women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, And he mentions that, like many times, that if it hadn't been for his mother sticking with his father, that the father would have either died or, like, ended up in the streets. And when Bruce was 18 years old, his father decided to up and move out west, and the mother just, like, his mother decided to join him. So his mother loved people and love, and his father was cynical and disliked people. And then when Bruce was 18, he felt like he and his sister had been kind of abandoned. Mm Mm-hmm. And they didn't know at the time that he had a mental illness. His father, yeah, yeah. They weren't aware of the severity yet. Did right? anybody really talk about mental, mental yeah, illness back, back then, then yeah. at all? Like, I don't think so. Um, his father resented his family for what his life could have been, always saying that he could have done this or I should have taken that job. So Bruce saw a lot of his father complaining, drinking, smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually his mother that got him his first electric guitar encouraged his music and supported his early creative writing absolutely there's that song the wish that he wrote specifically about that moment you know his mom buying him that guitar (laughs) it's so sweet yeah dirty old street all slushed up in the rain and snow little boy and his mom standing outside run down music store window On top of a Christmas tree shines one beautiful star. And lying underneath, brand new Japanese guitar. I remember in the morning, Mom, hearing your alarm clock ring. I listened to you getting ready for work. The sound. Of your makeup case on the scene. And the ladies at the office all lipstick, perfume, and rustling and skirts. How proud and happy you always look coming home from work. If Pa's eyes 
eyes were a window to a world so deadly and true. You couldn't stop me from looking, but you kept me from crawling through. It's a funny old world, my where little boy's wishes come true. I got a few left in my pocket, and a special one just for you. It ain't no phone call on Sunday, no flowers or a Mother's Day card. It ain't no house on the hill with a garden and a nice little yard. I got my heart right down Bond Street. I'm older, but you'll know me in a glance. We'll find us a little rock and roll ball. Baby, we'll go out and dance. Now, one of my favorite things about this point in my work life is I get to look out into the audience and I see uh, fathers with their sons and I see moms and grandmoms and, and little girls, little sisters. Yes, you sang very good the other night. <laughs> we get people all ages. And uh, that was something I think that my mom taught me when she was very young. She loved rock music. She loved rock and roll. And her enthusiasm and passion for it rolled over. So, uh, we're just glad to have you all coming out, all the different generations. Woo! And somewhere out there is the future of rock and roll. It was me and my people, who you and pink curlers and matted or pants. Getting up off the couch to do the twist. For my uncles and aunts. I got a girl on now, Mom. Pop the question on your birthday. Told me to get out there and say what it was that I had to say. Last night we all sat around laughing about the things that that guitar bought us. About the other things it's brought. So tonight I'm taking requests here in the kitchen. This one's for you. I'm gonna come right out and say. But if you're looking for a sad song, well I ain't gonna play.
first kiss up in the shadowy bleachers and learned how to dance and would dance in public because girls love to dance. It's true. So you Smart. Can, exactly. So you can kind of picture. It's like when you kind of realize early that dancing gets the girls and guitars get the girls. Yep. So you learn how to dance and you buy a guitar. Yeah, he def- planned that one out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of like, he knew that if you're playing a show, once you got the girls dancing, everybody was happy, and everybody would dance. Absolutely. So the first girlfriend he talks about is um, on the day that he graduated high school, and instead of attending the, c- the ceremony, got a bus to New York, wandered around the village and Washington Square Park, eating pizza, and then making this new girlfriend. He ended up going back home, bringing her with him, where she was promptly put back on a bus and sent back to New York. <laughs> Hey, bus driver, keep the change. Bless your children, give them names. Don't trust men who walk with canes. Drink this and in a week you'll have wings on your feet. Broadway Mary Joan Fontaine. Advertiser on the downtown train. Christmas crier busting cane. He's in love again. Well, dock workers' dreams mixed with panther schemes to someday own the rodeo. Tainted women in this division perform for out-of-state kids at the late show. At around the same time that Bruce met Clarence Clemens, he met a girl. He says, during this time... I fell in obsession with a lovely surfer girl, a drug-taking, hell-raising wild child who played by nobody's rules. She was a perfect antidote to the control freak in me and opened up my hunger for every blonde, perfect thing I never had. She was so alive, funny, and broken, I couldn't resist her. She stirred up my Catholic school-bred... Messianic? How do you pronounce that? messianic complex big word it's a big word thank you for helping (laughs) then did the bone and heart crushing dance over it that it deserved and so she had a small child he kind of played daddy to this child and he even ended up giving like the last thing that he had from his childhood which was this little rocking horse to the um the mom and her little daughter and he said that he would see them years later both beautiful as ever He just always had that sort of family man in him, I guess, even when he was playing the field. Yeah, Yeah. surfing surfing the coast. So speaking of playing the field, (laughs) um, around the time he was introduced to Clive Davis and signed to Columbia Records, he had two girls that he was kind of seeing. As you do. As you do. (laughs) When you're hunting down record deals in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the girls, he says, like would tip him eating money from time to time. And another one owned her own business and drove a fancy sports car. And he would mention later that he was always kind of like this, you know, Um, that he was kind of a serial monogamist. But there was a don't ask, don't tell. There was a little bit of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) His relationships would never last more than two years at a time to the point where his own mother would call him out on it like, oh, it's about that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we all know his true love was his music, right? So that's the thing. All these years, he's mm. 
he's battling like the, he's trying. He's getting in these bands and he's playing in these bars and he's you know he loves girls, but he's he loves his guitar too. Sure, and that's in you know he he says I when I was on the road, yeah. But he, I mean, it's kind of contradictory because it's always like the music and the girls and the music and it gets the girls. And when then I went out and I was flirting with the girls, but then it's it the was vicious circle. But then he's always <laughs> also kind of like, but I was there to work. I wasn't there to party. So it, that is true, though. Like the other guys, work and then party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think that he was really back and forth with the concept of like, you know, I love having the girl, but he wanted to be on the road. But then it goes, as we know, really, really deep. And you know, as our listeners are going to come to find out, that he had a lot of things inside of him stirring up since he was very young. That was a direct result of what happened with his family and his father Mm -hmm. that made it very difficult for him to maintain a relationship any longer than two years. He always seemed to have a hard time balancing that. Like, is this family life that he wanted to achieve, that he saw, like, his own family having, and that's what he wanted for himself, and mixing that with this career that he's, you know, just trying to... He was a very nervous child. Like, he had a lot of... And and he um, eventually would, you know, come out to talk about his his depression but he was very anxious and nervous as a child up to the point where he blinked so much that that other kids would call him blinky right (laughs) um back to the girlfriend who um had a condo looking over asbury park did i say that right asbury Asbury park that's it yeah okay oh yeah sometimes i say things like greenwich village (laughs) (laughs) and don't know how to say words like mez and messianic but I have friends like you to help me. So, right. um, so he says friends. back there, he says that they would engage in what I'm sure was some of the worst sex of our lives, if such exists. She held all of the aces, which I didn't mind. And we had a nice semi-screwed up relationship for a while. And then that's pretty much it. But I was like, I wish I had details. Like, why was kind of semi-screwed up? What was that? Probably just the same way all of his relationships were. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's all one-sided, too. It's from his point of view, right? We need her book. What happened there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of... That's our forte there is we find those women. We figure yeah, out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... He doesn't name drop. He never gives no names. He just girlfriends. Yeah. And he has all these songs with all these girls' names in it, right? And I'm like, which one is this one about? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, by the time he was 22, he had never had a drink because of the way he saw his father act. Um you know, when he was drinking. But to kind of calm that hamster wheel monkey mind, he did eventually start drinking. But he said that, you know, he was prone to foolish behavior and the occasional sexual misadventure, but mostly he was just kind of a happy drunk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he would, uh, you know, get on with the ladies. And I can just picture him. You know, he says, like, he would get really, he would get drunk and he would dance and he would just flirt with women, waitresses, girls at the bar. Yeah, just he's having the time of his life. He's in his 20s. He's a musician. Yeah. yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, life, the party. <laughs> I think he even says the words groping and flirting with anyone in sight until the next day he'd wake up with the alcohol regrets. Uh, morning after. Who hasn't? <laughs> yeah. I have like no boundaries once I hurt once I hit a certain point of drinking True, I'm already yeah. so open and like <laughs> let's touch lips and then when the, and that's before I'm drinking and then afterwards it's just like <laughs> woo. note to self <laughs> <laughs> We're all drinking water and tea yeah. for good reason yeah. 
a school name. We have work to do. <laughs> um, he talks about what it's like to perform for people, um, how the gathering of souls kind of blows those blues away. And he talks really poetically about bringing people together um, and then also having jokes about, you know, and if, if the pure high of the rush of the rock and roll, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, of looking down to the audience, like if that, if that didn't get your blues away, then the good-looking women in the audience would. So he's always making jokes like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, where he leaves off Thunder Road is what he says is the beginning of the next tour. Um, for sorry, for four decades, he would ask the question, "I want to know if love is real." So he left behind his adolescent view of love and freedom and entered into a more complicated world where "born to run" would be the dividing line. Right. Yeah. Um, Each was, record kind of being a new period in his, in his life, right? For sure. And the characters in his song kind of you know representing that you know, that era in his life. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, when Bruce got the cover of both Time and Newsweek, he says he remembers Stephen handing it to him and madly grinning. And when he saw yeah. this, he thought, stardom, the impact, the hits, the fame, the money, the women, the recognition, <laughs> and the freedom to live how I please. let me in, I want to be your friend. I want to guard your dreams and visions. Go wrap your legs around velvet rims. Strap your hands, cross my engines. Together we could break this trap. We'll run till we drop. Maybe we'll never go back. Oh, will you walk with me out on the wire? Cause babe, I'm just a scared and lonely rider. But I gotta know how it feels. I wanna know if love is wild. Yeah, but that's that was the release of Born to Run '75, so he was just huge. That's when it all exploded, kind of thing. Okay, so around this time, he was renting a farmhouse. Um, he was driving a truck, which his girlfriend at the time—we don't know her name—but we know the name of the truck, and she called it Super Truck. <laughs> um, he said he'd drive it down to the Stone Pony and flirt with the waitresses, or he'd head to the drive-in with his date. And imagine this: imagine being on a date with Bruce Springsteen. Okay, he'd fashioned a half couch. Hibachi grill and a cooler with ice in the back. Oh where they grill up some bergs <laughs> and watch a movie. Oh, at the drive-in? What a man. Like, uh, oh, mm, into like it. the most like, American date ever. Some bergs, New Jersey summer night. <laughs> Y'all. Which one was that? That was Sherry, probably. Sherry, darling. Well, who knows, right? I made a list, eh? I made a list. <gasps> oh, you didn't. Yeah. Just off the top of my head today, I was thinking like all the women in Bruce's yeah. songs, like names of these songs. So just, Good one. Yeah, so just off the top of my head, okay, I got Mary, Wendy, Janie, Sandy. Shanti. Uh, <laughs> Kitty, Rosalita, Sloppy Sue. Uh, she's Sloppy Sue's in there. Candy, Sherry, Puerto Rican Jane, of course. Uh, Maria, Leah, Frankie, Cynthia. And I have Bobby Jean in brackets, and I have Terry in brackets, because Bobby Jean could possibly be a guy. Yeah. 
you know that song. Yes, but that's so good yeah, it's kind of written about Stephen, yeah. but it's, but it could also like be about a girl too. It that song, be, yeah. yeah. And then in Backstreets, there's Terry. So Terry's, I think, is his buddy, but you know, Terry could be a girl too. And Leah's my middle name. Leah's a good name, yeah. yeah. Leah's a great name. Wait, Lee or Leah? I know your name is Lee. Yeah, but are you, is you, the Leah. Girl Lee or well, Leah? it's L E A H. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's. Leah. That's That'd be me. Yeah, that's off uh, Devils in Dust. Leah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a recent one, yeah. I like how Bruce described himself as a manic depressive trapeze artist. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so you can imagine that it would be difficult for him to uh, maintain any kind of healthy relationships. Um, he said that his writing is emotionally autobiographical, and I believe it's about darkness on the edge of town that he says, along with Catholicism, in my family's neighborhood experience, I found my other Genesis piece, the beginning of my song, Home, Roots, Blood, Community, Responsibility, Stay Hard, Stay Hungry, Stay Alive, Sweetened by Cars, Girls, and Fortune, these are yeah. the things that guided my musical journey. Excellent. So good. I love the car, Cars and Girls portion of that. Yeah. That's my favorite, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to think that these are real names of women out there. And yeah. we're just like so excited when that song came out. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the problem, though. Let's get to mm. the issues that he was facing. And I mean, I don't even want to say it was a problem because it's his journey. It's how he got to where he was. And it's he made the he choice, got to Patty. Man. He made the choices. I mean, he does. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but he does say that he wished he would have. You know, he hurt some people along the way, but mm-hmm. anyways, he used his music and touring to hide and run from himself and, you know, lack for lack of a better word, running from his demons. And now he would eventually find therapy and stick with the same doctor for years. But before he really knew what was inside of him and why, it left him with a lot of questions in particular about his relationship uh, with girls. Mm. So... Relationships and love made him believe that these things just weren't for him because ultimately when he became close with someone, his anger, fear, and depression reared its head and instead of facing it, he said it was easier to just roll, which I came to believe is meaning like just leave and move on. Mm -hmm. He says, I'd routinely and roughly failed perfectly good women over and over again. After two years and there's no more hiding behind anything, like he'd be gone, right? And they'd be gone. And he says that he had many lovely girlfriends, and it wasn't them, but it was the emotions that they brought up. Mm-hmm. And then he says, the implications of a life of commitment and family burdens. So that kind of scared him um, because his grandmother has died. His father was emotionally unavailable, and then they left. Like, he really didn't want to get close to anybody. Wasn't ready yet, man. He's yeah. still, like, pursuing these other dreams in his life at that moment. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, the stars weren't lining up for him. Yeah. He says, with the end of each affair, I'd feel a sad relief from the suffocating claustrophobia love had brought me, and I'd be free to be nothing again. I'd switch partners, hit rewind, and take it from the top, telling myself that this time it'd be different. Then it'd be all high times and laughs until fate and that unbearable anxiety came knocking, and it'd be one more for the road. I loved as best as I could, but I hurt some people I really cared about along the way. I didn't have a clue as to how to do anything else. I love that he's so honest. I'm, I'm sure so many people can relate to this. You know? Well, that's the thing. This is a book, right? Like, if you want it to be good, you got to be honest. you got to lay it out there. Like, You can tell he's uh, had many years of therapy, too, just by the way he writes about it and how much introspection he's done. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it became clear to him over the years 
And if anybody's wondering if Bruce ever fooled around with the women at his shows or the girls at his shows, he does address this. And the answer is yes. Mostly, I think it was more so at first before the fame got bigger. Mm -hmm. He doesn't go into detail, but he does mention some nights ending in psychosexual carnage, laughs, ecstasy, and sweaty bliss. Then it's on to new faces and new towns. Living the dream, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 1970s. Um, or like 2009, depending on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but Bruce living in the pre-AIDS world and like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And yeah. like, oh. Freedom. Yeah. Shag carpeting. And yeah. Quaaludes. One good of times. His, one of his houses <laughs> had shag carpeting, I think he said. Um, yeah, and... So he did describe himself as a serial monogamist and never looked too hard for company on the road. But like we said, for him, the road was work. He didn't want to have too much fun. Um, And he seemed like more of a guy who needed a connection. He talked about the professional groupies and how he never wanted to be a notch on somebody's belt. Mm. Yeah. Which is funny because a lot of these women were were notches on his belt. Hmm. Interesting way to look at it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when he was, you know, so sometimes like he'd partake in these, uh, you know, one night stands or little relationships here and there on the road. Um, but mostly he would just return back to his hotel room with fried chicken or what did you say? Fried chicken, French fries, TV, a book, then bed. Let the good times. Well, that's the thing, too. Most of the guys in his band were partying and he kind of had to rein it in because he was the leader. He was in charge. He was the role model. He had to write the songs for the next record still, right? So Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, so I guess he needed to remember and stay sharp. So he never, uh, as far as I know, didn't take drugs. Um, yeah. I think he just couldn't let go of the sense of control. He's the boss. He's got to be the boss. That's right. He's, he's got to be in control at all times. Can't relinquish the control. <laughs> yeah. And the only time he felt like, that freedom and that release yeah. was when he was on stage. Yeah. Absolutely. He loved so much. He loves, cared and respected the stage so much that that was his, you know, he wasn't going to let anything get in the way with it. And he was a guy that was, you know, he had a lot of talent and he just worked really hard. And once he made it, he was not going to, you know, let that go to, to drugs or any kind of thing. So speaking of that, um, with the song Hungry Heart, he says, we had a hit. A real one. Hungry Heart went to top 10, doubled our album sales, and brought to our live shows women. Hardcore following of young men who made up a high percentage of our live audience, but 
Hungry Heart brought in the girls and proved Top 40 Radio's power to transform your audience. Yep. A very happy song about a guy leaving his family. Um, so let's talk about the idea of home a little bit after the river tour bruce returned to new jersey and had been looking for a home of his of his own he wanted a permanent house and saw every single house you could imagine big house too big small house too small too new you know you get the idea he says i came to see that no home built by man was going to hold slash satisfy the jersey devil that's right yeah yeah um, I turned the minutes of decision into full-blown identity issues. What car? What shirt? What house? What girl? So he was, you know, the idea of getting a home for him was really difficult. He never really saw a study home as a place for him. Um, he That was more for regular people. Yeah. You know, he talks about the people that are, like, working the nine-to-fives. He had this freedom. He's like, so. His heart belonged to the highway. Something like that. Right, guys? That's right. <laughs> All of these very internal issues came to the surface when he was 32, um, broke up with his very lovely 20-year-old girlfriend, and bought a cottage in the Hollywood Hills. And it was here that, you know, on the way there that he'd really have a kind of anxiety attack. Do you remember the part of the book where his friend's traveling with him and is holding the teddy bear? And he's like, mm. at first pissed off that his buddy's got the teddy bear. And then after a <laughs> while, when it got to the trunk, he was like, I want the teddy bear. <laughs> Yeah, I must have skipped over that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, go teddy back bear. and listen to the audiobook, right? Okay, yeah. That'll be fine. I need I to think hear I that. Even do that. Yeah. Oh, you know what I just thought of? You know what? I think like my dad would enjoy that as I, an my audiobook. Dad's reading it right now. Is he reading the book? Yeah. Okay, I think my dad would more enjoy the audiobook. Yeah. Okay, our dads are our biggest fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> do they listen to the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Hi, uh, hi, dads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they tune in every week, and my mom's just like, "Good for you, honey." All right. <laughs> so Bruce would winter in California, then head back to New Jersey. He got himself a doctor, um, who he stuck with for the next twenty-five years. He said, "With him, I slowly acquired the skills that would eventually lead." to a life of my own that was still many tears mistakes heartbreaks away and often remains a struggle to this day in doc meyer's office i got a head start on my new odyssey his knowledge guided me to the strength and freedom i needed to love things and be loved mm-hmm. yeah that's right so at 34 he wanted something with someone that was more serious he wanted to get married he was gonna make yeah. it last more than two years it was his mission so he was still doing this fine line between never really being monogamous um and he but he's was, at that age he's like early 30s right like he, he's starting to he, yeah he had been questioning whether or not there was such thing as a semi-monogamous system. Uh, there is, by the way. Um, and generally, you know, like we said, partook, partook in a don't ask, don't tell. But this time he was ready to commit. And so when he was in Los Angeles, he met Julianne Phillips. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when he was in Los Angeles, he met Julianne Phillips. He describes her as 24, tall, blonde, educated, talented, a beautiful and charming young woman. We hit it off and began seeing oh. each other regularly. Total package. Mm, total package. Yeah. So six months into dating, he proposed um, when he was on his balcony in Laurel Canyon. 
and they were married in Oregon. So at this point too, you got to think Bruce is at the peak of his like popularity, like born in the USA. This is like, he's on a worldwide tour. He's playing sold out shows. He's on radio. Like it's. And, and that's why he's with the 24 tall, blonde, educated, talented, charming (laughs) model. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just saying like, he's living that life. Like he's just living, he's in this glamour lifestyle all of a sudden, right? Like he's just being propelled to the Mecca. I guess the only thing missing was that family setup. Yeah, so, the girl on his arm or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. He's got the car. He's got the home. He's got the girl. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah. So he was determined this time sure. to do it. However, yes. the past is going to come back again, and it's going to get him hard. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, man. But let me just keep going to Julianne <laughs> a little bit. Okay, let's give her a little bit of a... Yeah, give her some she, dude. She didn't get, you know, she didn't even get a huge, I find she didn't get a huge time in the book. Um, but you to be respectful. Yeah. So she was born in May of 1960 and was raised in Chicago. She began modeling in Manhattan in 1980 and was making up to like $2,000 a day. So she appeared in a few music videos, including Bruce's Glory Days, and was signed by Elite Modeling Agency. So she's just like right at the end in the cameo. And I had posted. Uh, yeah, they're playing baseball, and she goes to pick him up. Yeah. Yeah, you were. What would you say, Shawnee? You the, made that great the, analogy. The three. Uh, three loves, loves of his of life. His life all appear in the video. Um, Julianne, Patty, and Stephen. Yeah. It's a great video. Yeah, and so video. I think her most famous role was on the show Sisters. So um, I know her from. Uh, I know her from the movie Skin Deep. Did you ever see the movie Skin Deep? No, have you? No. It's got John Ritter in it. It's good pretty good it's a uh, blake edwards comedy there's, there's a very funny what's that is it sexy it's pretty sexy skin deep sounds like a sexy yeah there's movie. a very uh there's a very funny uh like sword fighting scene with two guys wearing glow-in-the-dark condoms which is kind of funny <laughs> 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 that's high recommend yeah it's pretty funny you're right. yeah sexy that when i think mm-hmm, that's what i think yeah for sure <laughs> little pads that attach to problem areas will make your muscles contract the more I increase the current, the more your muscles will contract. Molly. <laughs> For the first silly treatment, it's not advisable like C plus three. God, I wish I didn't hate you so much, Zach. Come on, Molly. After ten silly treatments, you should be able to handle plus seven. Mom, 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 mom. Why did you have to act like such a dick? Yeah. Anything above plus seven could be dangerous. The two of them honeymooned in Hawaii and set up house in his cottage. Um, he said he already knew he wouldn't make it past two years. Pretty early on. His flaws would be revealed, and as is the pattern, he'd split. He went on faith with her. He wanted to find the resources to make it work. Mm-hmm. But as we know, he suffered from anxiety attacks. He tried to hide them yeah. from her. Um, he worked with his doctor, but he was suffering from paranoid delusions, which we know is what his father, you know, his father was dealing with. And it's what he called shades of my pop. Right? There's that heavy scene in the book where he kind of takes his wedding ring off for the first time. And, exactly. freak, and it freaks him out. It kind of freaks him out, right? He's just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But you know. Yeah. Yeah, she was like laying in bed beside yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's during these paranoid bouts 
that he made himself believe that Julianne was using him to further her career, which he says nothing could have been farther from the truth. Julianne loved me and didn't have an exploitive or malicious bone in her body. Inside, I knew that, but I was out where the buses... Um, uh, messed up my notes. Anyways, oh, well. So inside, I knew that. I was sliding back toward the chasm where rage, fear, distrust, insecurity, and a family panted in misogyny made war with my better angels. That's right. Yeah, so pretty pretty big stuff. Um, he didn't want to scare her. So, and, and you're in a relationship, right? And then all of a sudden, you get to a point in the relationship where it's like, oh, we're really getting to know each other now? And like... The, the the laughs the good times like it's they've kind of worn off and now you need to find out who I am and I need to find out who you are and once somebody finds that out then they're gonna leave you know like it's it's something that I think everybody can kind of relate to mm-hmm. in like long term and serious relationships and he didn't want to scare her but he kept her at a distance when he should have been letting her in that's right well hopefully he'll learn better for the next time around you know? yeah <laughs> Over the years, he says, I had come to the realization that there was a part of me, a carelessness and emotional cruelty, that sought to reap damage and harvest shame, that wanted to wound and hurt and make sure those loved me paid for it. It was all straight out of the old man's playbook. My father led us to believe he despised us for loving him, would punish us for it, and he did. Well, I think Bruce got his heart broken a bunch of times, too, like in the past. And, you know, you, you carry that with you. You don't want to get your heart broken like that again. Reminds me, of, there's, a, there's a version of the song, uh, Backstreets, that he was doing, like in the in between Born in the USA and Darkness on the Edge of Town. He took a couple years off because he was having management problems. And he wasn't recording at that period, but he was touring. And he was doing Backstreets. And he would do this extended part in the middle where he would do this, like, sad eyes kind of section and do some love lyrics and he would talk about there was and a few shows he would talk about this girl that did something to him right and he would be like you said you were gonna love me forever you said you i meant something to you and then he just breaks and he just starts going you lied you lied you lied and it's just so heavy and passionate and it's just bruce screaming you lied at the top oh of his God. lungs oh it's heavy so you know i think he's carried some heartbreak with him over these years the back streets we take it. Yeah, baby, in the backseat. 
baby in the back seat. And I remember, I remember the night those kids set fire to that old abandoned farmhouse. And we could see it. We could see the flames rushing towards the sky across the fields. As we sat on the hood, we could see the flames rushing towards the sky across the fields. And I remember you told me, you told me, you said, baby, you said, barely, I shall always be yours. I will never let you go. I will never let you go, baby. I will never let you go. I will never let you go. And I remember watching the flames rushing towards the sky. And I remember us running, running across the fields, running through the fields, running past that big white house on the hill, running past them iron gates, running through them iron gates, running past that big white house that sat on the hill, running through the fields. I remember, and you said, baby, I shall never let you go. I swear I'll never let you go. And I remember waiting. I remember waiting. I remember waiting. I remember you were going to quit your job. And I was going to quit my job too. And I remember we were going to go. And I remember standing in the rain. I remember waiting, standing in the rain. And I remember the wine came tumbling down. And I remember waiting. And I remember the wine came tumbling down. And I remember, I remember that you told me you told me and I remember you
person in a sense and he definitely was when this relationship happened and I think he was obviously grappling with that new found fame he had wanted it for a while he didn't get there overnight as we know um, but paparazzi started following him and Julianne and he wasn't happy about that when he was on stage he wanted all eyes on him he wanted the attention when he was off he didn't want anybody looking at him so they either had to stay in their hotel room or they'd be followed and photographed. And, you know, maybe the paranoia was at the peak because, like you were saying, he's he's getting the most money. He mm-hmm. has the most hits. He's got the most fame that he has. And, yeah, like all eyes were on him and his relationship. So even, you know, when they had been, was it honeymooning or they had been? No, it was in a, on, a, on a European tour that their room had been photographed after they had left the bed that they had slept in, even though it was made, it had been... Oh, him and Julianne, yeah. yeah. And, like, this is where Bruce and Julianne... Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? And he thought it was weird. It really, like, it it really turned him off, right? So Tunnel, ambivalence, love, and fear about his new life. Um, It was finally not an album about the road, but about home. So Brilliant Disguise, he says, was an unexpected hit at the center of the album. It's about dropping the mask, and when you drop one mask, you find another behind it until you begin to doubt your own feelings about who you are. So I don't know if you guys know this. There's this guy named Lewis Howes. He's got this book called The Mask of Masculinity. And it's all of the masks that men can wear to hide themselves, to to protect themselves, to, you know. Mm. So it's pretty interesting. But have to get that book. (laughs) It was during this tour that Patty came to the front of the stage in more ways than one. <laughs> I heard somebody call your name from underneath our willow. I saw something tucked in shame underneath your pillow. Well, I've tried so hard, baby, but I just can't see what a Oh, our future was right. 
darkness of our love God have mercy on the man who doubts what he's sure of That's going to do it for this episode, but we got more to go. Thanks to Shanti and Lynx for talking with me. They'll be back to continue this discussion, focusing on the first lady of E Street, Patty Scalfa. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next time. the show folks thanks for listening you can find us on our website at trampslikeuspod.com communicate with us on facebook at our tramps like us podcast group page and on twitter at tramps like us pod don't forget to subscribe to the show on itunes where you can leave a review and a five-star rating tramps like us podcast is a non-profit audio fancy created by fans for fans and is available for free we are not affiliated with bruce springsteen or columbia sony records If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary... E Street Band. In Candy's room, we leave Mary's dress sweet. Reggie fell in love. I'm gonna sleep till night in Marcus Bay. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? 
What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.